Hey everyone, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. And today we're going to talk about water baptism. My name is Lucas, I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church, and this is an interesting kind of moment. I'm calling this sermon Passing Through Baptism, and we're kind of, this is the last in our series called The Church, where we've kind of been discovering what is the church, what is this all about, why is the church, how is the church, and so we're talking about one of the two sacraments. Last week we talked about communion, today we're going to talk about baptism, but I want to share a little story with you. Uh, I'll never forget the Red River Inn in Dauphin, Manitoba. It's no longer the Red River Inn, but they had a pool. And I don't, rem- I don't remember all the circumstances, but for some reason, we were there with a bunch of people. Uh, I mostly remember as people that we knew from the church. So I don't know if we had like rented the pool out and we were just kind of having a pool party hanging out. But I, I was a kid. This was before swimming lessons. Uh, I've only done... Uh, two levels of swimming lessons in my life. And so this is before I even took swimming lessons. I was just a little kid. And this pool, I remember being on the edge of this pool, holding onto the side. And you know how you do when you're not comfortable being out in the water, if you can't touch the bottom, what do you do? You hold on to the side. And for whatever reason, there was a moment where I let go to the side and the pool had kind of this sloping floor that sloped out and then into the, into the deeper part. And at that time, I wasn't six foot six. I was just a little kid, so I couldn't reach the bottom. And I let go of the edge for some reason, and I just kind of like went out into the depths. Now, this is a hotel pool. It wasn't very big, but for me, I couldn't touch the bottom, and so I began to sink. Now, when I was a kid, I was a bean pole. There was nothing about me that would have allowed for me to float. It was just down I go. And so I remember panicking and struggling to get back to the surface. And, and I don't know if you've been in a situation like that, but man, that panic, that fear uh, can cause you to be completely irrational, completely like unaware of kind of what you're doing or doing the logical thing to survive. And I was just doing everything wrong. Now it got to the point where I would be like breaching the water and trying to take gulps of air but I'd be getting air and I'd be swallowing water at the same time. And so the, just the panic and the fear was just building and building until this moment when a man named Mr. Tuzik grabbed, my, grabbed me by my wrists and he pulled me up out of the water and he pulled me back to the side of the pool. Now for me, that, it felt like minutes that I was drowning, but it was probably only seconds. But there's, there was something kind of um, ingrained in me in that moment at that pool. I had an understanding of death and life, death, salvation, and there was just something deep that impacted me. Um, now, a funny story, that is also the pool that our church would rent out in order to do water baptisms. And so we would have our morning service and then we would take everyone that's getting baptized and we go to the Red River Inn pool to baptize people. Guess where I got baptized a few years later? In that same pool. The same waters that in my mind gave me a taste of death 
and, 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 and subsequently being saved are the waters in which I was baptized, the waters of my symbolic death and salvation, death and resurrection. Like I said, today's our last day in the, in the series, The Church. And last week, we spoke of one of the two sacraments. We spoke of communion. And today we're going to talk about the waters of baptism. Now, I'm not going to take, I'll take a little bit of time to dig into the theology of baptism, what it is, but I want to kind of really narrow into some um, aspects around the church, around the gathered ecclesia, the assembly, and water baptism. So let's pray, and then I'm going to take you back about 4,000 to 4,500 years ago, and we're going to kind of discover some things in the Old Testament together. So Lord, I pray as we take this journey together in the waters of baptism, what is it to pass through baptism? What is baptism? Why do we do it? But Lord, more importantly, um, what is going on in the midst of it? Lord, we pray that we would be inspired today, that Lord, we would be encouraged today. Holy Spirit, as always, would you lead us in truth? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, water has been used all through scripture as a, as a powerful metaphor of cleansing, uh, one, one of the most visceral and profound moments that we see in the Old Testament when it comes to cleansing is the flood. Many of you know the story of Noah and the ark and the flood. You know, at that time, the days were evil. Humanity had fully um, turned their backs and had rebelled against God. And yet there was one man who remained righteous and his name was Noah. And this moment in history became kind of the most profound and, and quite frankly, hard picture of water bringing both salvation and cleansing, which, which meant the death of many people. Later, we see the imagery of water play a part in the life of Moses. Uh, Moses was put by his mother in a basket kind of really looks a lot like the ark, you know, this idea of salvation passing through the waters of baptism, passing through the waters. And he ended up in a new life, a new life as a prince within the palace of Pharaoh, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And so we see this motif play out over and over and over again. The same Moses, he, uh, he finds himself al along with, with uh, Israel at the edge of the Red Sea. You remember this moment? And everybody's freaking out because they had just got out of Egypt. They had just got their freedom from slavery. Now they're at the edge of the Red Sea between a rock and a hard place and the enemy is coming. And what, is, what happens here? Moses prays and God says, hold out your rod. And he holds out his rod and the Red Seas part and they pass through the waters on dry land to the other side. Not only that, but the enemy, the, 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 the enemy, the, uh, the, the symbol of death and destruction that was on their heels, they enter into the dry ground of the Red Sea. And as Israel finishes the crossing, the sea swallows up and cleanses this moment. We see this motif of water and cleansing all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, God gives Moses the Levitical law. And we find contained within the Levitical law, ceremonious washing. And this is about being made clean. And it was required for a number of circumstances within, within the life of just being um, out and about and in community. 
but it was all about kind of reuniting. It was a cleansing to reunite you to participate in community and to participate in worship. It was through this kind of cleansing that you were made clean. In fact, it was in part through water baptism that converts uh, in the Old Testament and, and even the first century, if they wanted to come into alignment with the with Judaism and the Jewish way and worship Yahweh as their one God, they would have to go through the waters of baptism, a cleansing, a repentance, a, a saying goodbye to the old life and coming into new life and a new paradigm, a new world view. And so we see even in the first century, baptism was not um, something that was unknown to the people of the day. Now, there is a theological word that uh, is, is called typology. Typology is the study of types and symbols throughout the Bible. Now, what we just discovered and what we just looked at are types and symbols of baptism, passing through the waters of baptism. Now, here's the deal though. Typology is one of those areas where things can get weird. We can, we can stretch for things. We, uh, I mean, in the church, we all know this. We, we, at times, stretch things a little too far. And so typology is one of these areas. So you, you might ask, how, how do we know that these were types and symbols of water baptism? Well, it's kind of easy for us in this circumstance because Peter and Paul, uh, as apostles, actually reference these moments and, and draw the conclusion that they are types and symbols of baptism. Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, 20-22, Because they formally did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Paul, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 1-2, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Do you remember last week how uh, Jesus used the practice of the Passover meal to bring revelation to himself as the Lamb of God? In that moment, he institutes what we call the Last Supper or communion or the Eucharist. And we see that Jesus is using what was as a type and symbol for himself. But he does it now in the same way with water baptism. He takes all the types and shadows of the past and he brings a revelation of what it means to be baptized in water. He institutes water baptism as a sacrament or an ordinance of the church. He reveals that, that just as the first Passover was meant to be a revelation of him as the Lamb of God, the types of baptism from, from the flood to the parting of the Red Sea to the cleansing ceremonies of the Levitical law were all meant to reveal Christ as our cleansing. Our way to being made clean in soul, mind, spirit, and body. Now, before we go on, we need to, we need to define some terms here. 
so we can kind of journey together from the same place. So we're going to define some terms. What is water baptism? Well, our fellowship, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, defines baptism in this way in our statement of essential truths. Water baptism signifies the believer's identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and is practiced by immersion. In other words, water baptism is an outward public declaration that serves as a sacred symbol of what Jesus has done in your life. Many of you know this, but I want to maybe speak to you that are exploring faith in Jesus today. The journey to faith in Christ is one of acknowledging and believing in faith the work Jesus did for you. So you identify with his death, acknowledging that you are dead in your sin and your brokenness. Then you recognize the need to bury that old self. You know, repentance is more than just acknowledging uh, that, that sin and that brokenness. It's a turning away from that sin and that brokenness. So you identify with his burial by burying that old self. But here's, here's the transformative moment. Without this next part, um, th this is just another good idea, a good philosophy, following a, a guru. Uh, it's, just, it's just the same as everything else because we, we can all die. We can all be buried. But, but here's where we enter the unique territory of Jesus as the Christ. We experience the resurrection power of God. We are raised to life again, both, both spiritually, but also literally because Christ rose again. Spiritual because God breathes his spirit into us and in that moment of salvation, that moment of, of walking in repentance and saying yes to the work of Christ in our lives. There's a God-breathed moment where our spirit comes alive and is awakened within us. Jesus told his disciples, he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we pass through the waters of baptism as one of our first steps of obedience to the ways of Jesus. We, we are immersed in water, representing the symbol of death and burial, and then we are brought back up out of the water to represent this glorious moment of resurrection life being breathed into us. Now, here's the deal. It's important to note that water baptism is not salvation. Water baptism is subsequent to salvation. Salvation happens. Water baptism serves as the public declaration and symbol of that happening in your life already. So it's not salvation. It's a symbol and it's a step of obedience. It's one of your first steps of submitting your life to the Lordship of Jesus. So we have to ask the question that if it's not salvation, why do we do it? We, we understand what it is, but, but it's not necessary for salvation. So why do we take such a big kind of deal to practice it in the church? Well, first of all, it's both commanded and modeled by Jesus. We're going to talk about the modeling of it by Jesus in a little bit. But it's, it's kind of taught as well by the apostles as our next step of obedience after salvation. 
Uh, Peter's very first sermon after the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. What does he say? Um, The people ask him, what must we do to be saved? And what does he respond with? Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. There's this sense of submitting to the Lordship of Jesus in, in walking through the waters of baptism. But it's more than even that. Let's go back to Moses on the shore of the Red Sea. What what does Paul say about that moment? Paul Paul is trying to make a point, and we've already read this, but let's kind of dig into it for just a second. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Here's the deal. So often when we read the Old Testament accounts, we so often only see the main kind of characters, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, uh, the judges, Gideon, Deborah. Like we only see the characters. And sometimes what this does is it, it kind of causes us to have a misnomer grow in our minds. That these stories are about them. But they're not about them. The stories are about the collective. They're about the community that is Israel, God's people. They serve as leadership. They serve as moments. They serve as judges. They serve as prophets. They serve, but they serve the community. They serve the momentum of the movement that is Israel throughout the Old Testament. Peter says, all of Israel, not just Moses, all of Israel was under the cloud. And of course, the cloud represented the presence of God, the glory cloud, the presence of God. And they all passed through a type of baptism as they passed through the dry ground of the Red Sea. One could argue that passing through the waters of baptism is is as much about you as it is about the community of faith that you are now a part of. It's just as much. Um, We say it all the time here at Evangel Church. It's not just about you. It's not just about you. Your faith is not just about you. Jesus doing something in your heart and your life is not just about you. When you have a revelation from God, it's not just about you. It's meant to be shared as encouragement, as edification, of, of, of encouragement. All these pieces, you're a part of something bigger. And when we read about the ceremonial washings in the Old Testament, you know, the Levitical law, a type of baptism, we see the purpose of these cleansings is so that you can re-engage community and re-engage worship in community. And so the reason for these cleansings was not just for yourself. It was so you could re-engage the people around you. Can I take you back to that moment in the pool for me? Um, You know, that sense of sinking, that, that inability to save myself, that panic that takes over, that that kind of sense of the, the fleeting seconds of hopelessness. Now, with that picture in our minds, and maybe you have something that colors that moment in your past. You've had an experience that was traumatic, an experience where you felt maybe you were going to die. Some of us have. I want you to consider in that moment that there was no one there to reach out and grab your wrists and to pull you to safety. I want you to just consider the hopelessness of that, the helplessness of that. 
And I am so thankful that there was somebody there that saw me, reached out, and helped me to get back to the side of that pool. There's something powerful about community. This walk of faith is a hard walk. Scripture says it's a narrow way. It's a narrow way. Broad is the way that leads to sin and death. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And this Christian faith is a hard way, but we were never meant to walk it alone. Water baptism in the name of the Father and the Spirit and the Son is to say in community, witnessed by community, by others that are saved by grace, that I have experienced this great salvation and I am in this with you. We are in this together. Passing through the waters of baptism is as much about you as it is about the community of faith you are entering. The ecclesia, the gathering of the called out ones. And in that, we, we carry a responsibility for one another. To care for, to encourage, to hold accountable. Bearing one another's burdens. Learning together. Growing together. Here's the deal. When you witness someone being baptized in your community of faith, it's just not a spectator sport. It's not a moment where your only responsibility is cheer and clap when they come up out of the water and create a vibe. No, no, no. Your responsibility is to say, okay, now that brother, that sister is a part of this family and we're going to do everything we can to walk out this faith together. I want to close by going back to the moment that Jesus himself modeled baptism for us. And he was baptized by John, his cousin, John the baptizer. And it's kind of a profound picture that we see play out. Uh, it's probably one of the most profound pictures of the Trinity that we see in Scripture. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 3, 21 to 22. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus was surrounded by the people who they themselves had been baptized. It says they had been baptized. And they were, they were being baptized in a baptism of repentance, a cleansing, a preparing of the way. And so this is a very public affair. As Jesus submits himself to baptism. And, and here's the interesting part. Jesus was sinless. So why did Jesus submit himself to a baptism of repentance? He had nothing to repent of. You know, after all, all the religious rulers, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were, they were avoiding this movement. They would send delegations to find out about it, but they were avoiding it because they saw no need for themselves to be baptized. They didn't want to be perceived as those that needed to repent. And yet, the perfect Lamb of God is baptized. So let me give you three reasons why Jesus was baptized. Number one, John the Baptist was leading a movement and revival in that day in the first century. And it was a revival and a movement of repentance. It was about preparing the way for the Messiah, the one who would come and save them. 
And so he was seen by many as a potential Messiah. And so in baptizing Jesus, we see these words from John shortly after he baptizes Jesus. He says, I must decrease and he must increase. As Jesus approaches him, he's saying to the crowd, uh, there's one coming. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And so there's this passing off of the baton, this revelation to the crowds and the masses within that movement of repentance. This is the man you've been waiting for. Not me. It's him. And so we see this handing off to the Messiah. He prepares the way for the Messiah as he was commissioned to do. Number two, John was of the Levitical priesthood that dated back to Aaron. Uh, in fact, John's dad was a high priest. He was servicing as a high priest before John was born, uh, doing the, the sacrifice and the ceremonies and going into the Holy of Holies, and he heard from the angel. And so John is a part of this Levitical priesthood. What, why is this so significant? Well, here we see the son of a high priest presenting Jesus to the world as the perfect lamb. That was actually the role of the priesthood. Part of the role of the priest was to present the sacrifices to the Lord. And so here we see John, a part of the Levitical line, presenting to the world the lamb, the perfect sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. And then number three, why Jesus got baptized. Jesus was identifying with sinners. Jesus was identifying with the community he had come to save. Those submitting themselves to baptism were publicly declaring their need for a cleansing. They were publicly declaring. They, if they were perfect, they wouldn't have submitted themselves to baptism. Yet he's coming to these people who are being baptized. They're repenting of their sins. There's this movement and this revival of cleansing. And in baptism, Jesus himself identifies with the people in the community that he will serve. And in that identification, with that community, we see the most profound picture of the Godhead play out. I want you to just picture this. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in that moment like a dove. And you hear the voice of the Father speak. So we got Holy Spirit. We got God the Father. And we have Jesus. And he says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I want you to consider the community that we enter as we say yes to the work of Christ. It's not just a people of like-mindedness around a good idea or good philosophy or a new way of thinking. There is a living, breathing presence of God that exists within the community of believers. And as we pass through the waters of baptism, we are symbolically declaring that we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. That we have been cleansed in a way that gives us access to the presence of God by the Spirit through His Son. And we are journeying together with Him forever. And when life gets hard, when we realize that we were baptized into community, that is the church. That, that means we are not alone. We have hope. When the world seems against us, when we are reminded that the Holy Spirit is in us, working through us, and we have hope. When, when we struggle with our worth, 
and our identity and our value, we're reminded of the Father's voice that says, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And that, that work of Jesus in our lives, he says that over us. So let me ask you, have you walked through the waters of baptism? Have you passed through the waters of baptism? Have you made your public declaration in community that God has saved you and that you are part of something so much bigger? If not, can I encourage you to take that next step? If you live in the Powell River region, we would, we would be so happy to serve you in that. If you live outside, find a church that believes in Christ as Lord and believes in the um, the symbol and the sacrament of baptism and walk that out. Get involved in community. You are not meant to walk this faith journey alone. But maybe you're here and you have yet to put into words what the Holy Spirit is doing in your, in your life right now. Perhaps you're here and, and, and there's a revelation of Jesus that Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you, giving you a revelation of Jesus as the living, resurrected Savior. Can I just take a moment and pray with you? Can we do that together? Lord, I thank you so much that, Lord, this is not just an idea. This is not an ideology. This is not a philosophy. This is not another guru just giving us a better way. Lord, you are the son of God, the creator of all things. And for those that are having a revelation of the spirit, of Jesus as that son, that Messiah, that Christ, that savior. Lord, I pray that you would reveal, Lord, with such a profound sense that when we come face to face with that perfect lamb, that perfect savior, Lord, that we would be able to embrace this moment of saying, Lord, I am broken and I am a sinner and I need you. I need you. I need you to save me from myself. And Lord, as we do that, Lord, would you come in and would you make all things new? May we experience that death and that burial of our old self and our old worldview and our old paradigm. And Lord, would you raise us again with a resurrection power into the salvation that you have for each and every one of us. That we would see you face to face. That it would change everything that, Lord, we would walk in community with you. And so, Lord, we thank you for this profound opportunity to say yes to Jesus, the greatest gift you have given this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, if you are thinking about baptism, if you have had an experience and a revelation of Jesus and you've accepted him in your heart and life, we would love to serve you. Um, we have a baptism class coming up right away and we are actually gonna do water baptism on Easter Sunday. And so that's Easter Sunday. We will be doing water baptism here at Evangel Church in Powell River. We would love to just be a part of that experience with you as your community of faith. And so if you live in the Powell River region and you've given your life to Jesus, let that be your next step. Get involved, get connected with community of faith because you're not meant to do it alone. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. God bless, have a great week.